Well, welcome back. I'm Scott Weatherford. I'm so glad you're here and hope you've been enjoying this whole series on the Summer with Jesus as we looked at the Sermon on the Mount. You could go back at any time and watch any of these talks to catch you up to speed as we kind of move through the book of Matthew. Now, let me re- help you remember this, that in your group material, you're dealing with the passages that I'm not dealing with on the weekend. So go back and look at that material, and there's even digging deeper notes for those of you who want to take it even deeper into a Bible study experience. So you can use that, and we provide all those resources because we love you. That we want you to, to catch hold. Now, we're coming out of the week of prayer, and, and this is hopefully has been an intentional week for you. Now, this Wednesday night on the 25th, we're going to have a prayer gathering. It's going to start at 6.30 on Wednesday evening, and it's going to be live streaming as well as in person. And we're going to have a night of prayer and praise and intentional connectivity about where God wants us to be as a people and as a church, talking about what we've been doing missionally and throughout the world. So that's something you can mark your calendar and plan to be a part. And last week, we talked about the Lord's Prayer, and it was my birthday. So now I'm another week older, whatever, headed towards eternity. But today we're going to talk about dealing with your own stuff, dealing with your own heart. As Jesus kind of continues that drill down, in the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about the condition of your heart, that he talks about the outward expression about dealing with your stuff. But I want to kind of frame this talk with this quote. Many things capture the eye and few captures the heart. Pursue the heart. Pursue the heart. That's a great saying, but listen to this. What the eye see is often what the heart pursues. Now, what if that's changed? What if I lived in such a way that my heart then controls my eyes? What if I stated it this way? What the heart seeks, the eyes see. Now, I've said that before, but it's a changing of my heart that causes the outward expression of my life. In other words, my heart then determines my focus, not my eyes determining my heart. It's that big shift. Now, during the Middle Ages, there was this shift in the understanding of what was Christ-centered or God-centered and what was considered not. In fact, it was a bold move by the Catholic Church where they wanted to establish what's called the clergy, the educated, and the laity, that's the ignorant. That's literally what they mean in Latin, educated and ignorant, and a separation of secular and sacred. Those concepts did not exist in the world until the Middle Ages. And they divided things into what is sacred and what is secular. In other words, what is given to God and what is given to man. That's a terrible way to go through life. Everything belongs to God. We're all sacred creations. We're all sacred beings. Because I'm a pastor, that doesn't mean I'm more educated than you or you're more ignorant than I am. We all are accountable to God on that same level by faith in Christ. Now, there's different responsibilities. As I've responded to the woo of God in my heart to be a pastor than it is for someone else who's pursued maybe the woo of God to become an engineer. There's different responsibilities, but we're both sacred. We both belong to King Jesus. And that breaking our life is, is just kind of craziness but we've allowed that to happen. God has placed us in a servant role, and and God is central, not man is central. God is central, and not the humanistic view of what's sacred and what's secular. Now, the truth is that God is central. He is. There's no division of sacred and secular with him. 
God is the God of, of all. All believers, as all believers, we cannot view the world through the lens of these divisions. We have to see it all for Jesus. Now, Jesus was, was addressing the perversion of that thought and that drift even in the Sermon on the Mount. He was saying that there was a shifting of the eyes and thus a shifting of the heart. And he's saying, I want to get your heart aligned so your eyes will have the proper focus. You see, he was speaking to people that were very greedy, and they were coveting, and they were stingy, and they loved money, and they had the wrong things that captured their heart, thus directing their eyes, and he wanted them to be changed. And we could be the same. We could be greedy, and we could be coveting, and we could be stingy, and we could be lovers of money. And the life change that Jesus desires for us, that he says, I want to change your heart, to change your eyes, to change your devotion. This life change will result and a different expression of life. And we live in such a way that Jesus is Lord over everything, not compartmentalized and sacred and secular. The myth of the sacred and secular will be dashed on the rocks of the sovereignty of God. And we'll stop living in a schizophrenic way and live all for Jesus. And it starts in the heart. Then it fills up my eyes. And it changes my direction as I live. So let's listen to what Jesus says and be changed by it. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us today in your word. And I pray that we'll not just be hearers, but doers, that you'll take our hearts and shift our focus of our eyes to see what you see and to become what you want us to become in devotion. So thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Now take out something and jot some notes down as we dive into this scripture, which I think is pretty famous scripture. Let me read it for you. And don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of weakness. So if, you're, so if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters since he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus was asked these questions. What has captured your heart? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, or thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart is also. Now, Jesus is not teaching against wealth here. Don't hear that, that Jesus is into poverty. He's not. Jesus is into abundance. He wants us to thrive. He's the provider of all good things. He's the giver of wealth. What Jesus is teaching about is hoarding. The term store up is the Greek word for hoarding in selfishness. Oh, changes things. Because hoarding was an issue, and maintaining of security through your possessions was an issue, Jesus addressed the folks that were hoarding. Mazi clothing that was very, that he clothing. And clothing that day was very expensive. <clears throat> it is often made with gold thread running through it so people could display their wealth by their garments. And they would wear their money on them, wear their wealth on them, with gold and silver threads. And it was a, um, 
Well, it was a protracted display of their wealth. Rust was the rotting away things like wheat, where moths eat the crust and rust eats away. And the word rust there really means rotting. Wheat was stored in barns and rotted away when it wasn't eaten or it was eaten by rats, by rodents. Thieves were a problem in every society, even ours today. So Jesus says, why are you hoarding? You're wearing your garments that are going to be eaten. You're storing up your wheat that's going to be eaten. And you're investing in things that people are going to steal. What are you doing? And Jesus was teaching, was directing listeners towards generosity and caring for people and not against wealth, but wealth as a basis to bless others. The more God gave, the greater opportunity we have to bless others. What is, what is a barn full of wheat that's not eaten worth anything? Nothing. What is gold wearing on your garments that's going to be destroyed by moths? Nothing. What if an unscrupulous person steals your possessions? Nothing. What if God has given you great resources in order for you to be a great blessing? That's something. And what is captured my heart will capture my eyes and direct my life. So he said, look at your heart. Jesus was directing people towards generosity. People last forever. They do. And investing in people is what's eternal. That's why we as a church exist. We invest in people. We invest in people. It's not for the responsibility of the church to hoard vast resources. It's the object of the church to meet needs. A few years back, Tara and I toured Rome and we went to the Vatican. And in the Vatican, we saw the unbelievable collection of antiquities and priceless artwork and billions and billions and billions of dollars that were stored up. Now, I could be judgmental of the Catholic Church and say, look at all that waste. But I realize that God has established this church to be a blessing, not to be a hoarder. That's why we feed kids in the valley. That's why today, even today while I'm filming this, there's food being delivered systematically and intentionally to people in the Wimberley Valley that are hungry, that are hungry. We're taking boxes of food out to distribute people that are hungry. That's why we meet needs. That's why we do this. Not to hoard, but to be a blessing. And the more we meet needs, the more God provides for us. And it's been incredible. Why do we expand our campus? Why do we beautify our campus? To meet needs. That's why. It's all about meeting needs. And the greatest thing people have is the gospel. They need Jesus. And so we want to be a people who freely give away. Wow. Your heart reflects what you hoard. And I choose to hoard people. Heaven is dear to me because of deposits I've made recently with people. The people I've loved and people I've done their homegoing celebrations. Heaven is dear to me because of the investment made. Tara's mom and dad, my mom and dad, dear friends I've had in this church that have been invested because we lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven. And the only thing that's in heaven that lasts is people. It's kind of amazing. You see, a captured heart all for Jesus will change the world. And it makes heaven a storehouse of eternal riches. 
I realized that when my parents passed away, it was richer. I realized that when my friends passed away, I've chosen to invest in eternal things and literally to make heaven crowded. Earthly riches fade. And it is said that the famous preacher John Wesley, who made millions of dollars in today's money from the sale of his books and sermons, he lived well and enjoyed his life, but he died with only $28 because he invested in eternity. George Mueller ran an orphanage that was solely dependent upon donations. He never asked for money and was given millions of dollars over the course of his lifetime, and he invested in all of it in children and in eternity. I could go on and on, but a captured heart lives all for Jesus. Uh, when J.P. Morgan passed away, somebody asked how much did he leave, and his accountant said all of it, all of it. When uh, Elon Musk dies, how much will he leave? All of it. When Richard Branson dies, how much will he leave? All of it. When Jeff Bezos dies, how much will he leave? All of it. Because you can't take it with you. But what you can do is you can send it ahead of you in the investment of people. What if there's great wealth like a Bill Gates who decides to invest in things that really matter, things that are eternal significance? The investments are made in heaven. Now, all these guys, they can't buy their way into heaven. God cannot be bought. He can only be trusted. He cannot be bought. He can only be trusted. Where is your heart? A captured heart will live all for Jesus because it's been captured by the one who holds eternity in his hand, and that's King Jesus. So what has captured your eyes? Listen to this. The eye is the lamp of your body, and your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So let the light within you, so if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Wow. You know, your eyes give your focus. If Satan could steal your focus, he could steal your joy, he could steal your vision, he could steal your life. There's that old song, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. If Satan could fill my eyes with the wrong things, he could capture my heart and thus steal my life. The religious leaders of the day of Jesus were focused on their external appearance and not their inward character. We could do the same, pretending to be something we are not. What the heart seeks, the eyes see. I need a heart change. What are you looking at? Hmm. Where do I need to shift? I made a little list. Away from lust to purity. Away from hoarding to generosity. Away from myself to others and to King Jesus. Away from the praises of men to live for the glory of God. If I could steal your focus, I could steal your heart. What does this church need to shift its focus? Toward maintaining to maturing. From scarcity to trusting God will provide. From hoarding to generosity. From an inward focus to an outward focus. Jesus is the light of the world. And he wants to fill your eyes with his light so your heart will live for his glory. So let me ask the last question. What has captured your devotion? 
No one could serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Hmm. Jesus sums up the characterization of this obvious statement. What has captured your eyes, your heart, thus directing your, dire- your devotion? You can't live a sacred and secular life. You'll love one and pretend to love the other. Humans always drift towards hoarding and selfishness, and our eyes will drift towards lust and entitlement. You must decide whom you will serve. If we're the center of our lives, then we're going to serve ourselves. If Jesus is, he's captured our heart, he's going to shift our focus. To, grow, to quote the great theologian Bob Dylan, you have to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you have to serve somebody. And that's true. That's true. Who will you serve? Break the myth of sacred, sacred and secular. Break the myth of hoarding to generosity. Break the myth of being earthly focused and being eternally focused. Break the bonds of your eyes that your heart may be filled with King Jesus. What the heart seeks, the eyes see. And what the eye sees, the heart seeks. What has captured my heart and my focus will shape my devotion. Will I choose to live all for Jesus? I don't know about you, but I am. But this is the prayer I need to pray. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then with the captured heart, I can live a changed life. All for Jesus. Father, thank you for this convicting look at this Sermon on the Mount. What has captured me and what holds me? And what should I be in tune to? And Father, I'm very grateful that uh, we can lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven through, through people that we've loved and how heaven is now dear to me because the investment has been made of people. And Father, I pray that I can live in such a way that will make you famous. And Father, that we can live in such a way that make you famous. Father, I feel like there's some of this that are listening today that need to say to you, Jesus, I'm yours. They need to give themselves to you for the first time. Jesus, I'm yours. Forgive my sins. Be my Savior. That needs to be their prayer. There's some that need to pray this. Lord, I come back to you. I let my eyes wander towards lust and hoarding. I let my eyes wander towards uh, compartmentalizing and putting you in a box that I visit occasionally. And I need to shift my focus. Father, there's some who are listening who says, yeah, I need to go further with you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you'll open the eyes of our heart that we might see you and live all for you. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Thank you for joining. And thank you for your generosity. You can give by clicking on the give button. You can, you can give by showing us your commitment through raising hands and saying, hey, I prayed with you today. Or jump in a life group. that We're starting those in September, these online groups that you can be a part of. We want you to grow to become more like Jesus. We exist to build lives that honor God, all for Jesus.